It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. It's a green flag. Here's Nick. Well, hi, guys. Welcome to this week's show. I'm uh, here with the crew, Jen and Ryan, in studio today. It seems to be a revolving door here. Different people each. Oh, now, you were here last time. I'm always here. Yes, Jen's here because she's the uh, person that pushes my buttons. Uh, what's on today's show? John Kelly joining us from BMW. They have a brand new vehicle called the X2, which is uh, they insist on calling it a sports utility crossover or activity vehicle. It depends when, when you talk to them. They, they, talk, they call it different things, but they won't call it a CUV or an SUV. Uh, we're going to ask John all about this new X2. Does it have a place in your life? It's actually smaller than the X1. We'll find out all about that. Also, uh, coming up, uh, we're going to talk about Toyota Yaris, which was one of the vehicles on the floor of the New York show. Daryl Harrison is here. Uh, he's going to be talking about ChargePoint. If you're not familiar with ChargePoint, they're the guys that actually uh, put in a lot of those charging stations where you charge your electric car. By the way, who's making money out of those? Where does the electricity come from? Can I get in on that? Can I possibly sell electricity to people? Anton Warman joining us to talk about the uh, the top five sellers last month and also uh, whether Tesla are going to get their act together and start selling uh, a lot more vehicles. We've got a whole studio of very talented people today. They're all here. And uh, I will tell you something. This show has some nuggets in it that you'll probably want to stay tuned for. All of the hottest news. The biggest hottest news that uh, was a couple of weeks ago that I actually got to drive was the new 2019 Chevy Camaro. And the cool thing, of, you're rolling your eyes at me. Yeah, I'm jealous. Because you're a Camaro girl. Oh, yeah. What well, did I bring you back from the Camaro event? He brought me a Chevrolet hat. Yeah. Jen, so Jen now can wear her Chevrolet hat everywhere. <laughs> oh, Ryan, look at that rolling man's eyes over there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jen, that you have to, I had to bring your hat back. Um, Where's my Camaro hat? Well, you hate Chevrolet every time. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I think hate's I, a strong word, yeah. Jen. Okay. I think hate's a strong word. But Nobody hates Chevrolet. I love Chevrolet. Uh, I think I think they've done a really good job with the 2019. So they the, the biggest news about the 2019 Camaro is the fact that they have a 2-liter turbo in the 1LE pack, and they've taken everything off the SS, like the brakes and suspension and driving dynamics, and stuck it in this four-cylinder with a turbo. That's and not American. Right? How it's, many horsepower? It's interesting that you say it's not American. Uh, I can't remember now. Oh. Just like, But here's the interesting thing about it. Who's their competition? Who are they going up against with that car? Dodge. Dodge. Chevy. They are going up against Honda with a Type R. Whoa. They're going up against... Subaru with the WRX and BRZ. Whoa. They're going up against Golf with the with the R. They're nice. going against all these people. That's who that car is designed for. It's designed for what we would call in England wide boys. Boys who, you know, like their little fast cars. They're going up against them in that car. Lightweight, two liter. Now it's qualifying for all the racing classes. And it looks really good. They did a great job on redesigning the front. Plus, at the same event, they also rolled out a new Spark, a new Cruise, a new Malibu, and a new HD 4500, which is probably the biggest truck I've ever seen. So big, I think my house could fit on the back of it. <laughs> it was like, meat. I'm serious. I am standing by this truck. So they come very utilitarianism. Utilitarian. Utilit. Yeah. Yeah. They come very basic, and uh, I'm not sure what the right word is. And basically, you get the the crew cab or the ca cab with four doors, like full size cab, looks like a, a cab from a tow truck where you can have passengers in the back. And then on the back, it's just basically the frame. 
and then you can build whatever you want on the back. A dump truck, you uh, can put a sleeper a flat on bed. the back. Yeah, you can put whatever you want. Race car, transporter, whatever you want on the back. Here's the interesting thing about it. When I stood next to it, the the frame came up to my shoulder. <laughs> That's how big it is. To so be over my head. I'm going to definitely need a stepladder to actually crawl into the back of that thing. Uh, so that's the big news. Those cars get a refresh. And not only is Chevy taking on all of those uh, wide boy cars, the hot hatches segment, they're also taking on a bunch of other guys with the new uh, Malibu RS, which is actually going to go up against things like the Accord Sport and the sporty version of the camera. So that's what I was doing this week. We've got uh, all that stuff coming up in the show. We'll be talking to Toyota, to ChargePoint, and to Anton Woolman. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Start your engines, and they're off. Back to our auto expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. All right, as promised, John Kelly joining us on the phone from BMW. We wanted to talk uh, about a vehicle that I got to drive at TestFest. We saw it unveiled uh, at an auto show, Detroit, I believe, and now it's actually hitting the marketplace, the BMW X2. Now, if you're not familiar with BMW's X strategy, if it's a SUV or a all-wheel drive CUV, it, it has an X in front of it, and they reflect the cars. So we're very familiar with the 2 Series, uh, 3 Series, 4, 5, 6, 7, maybe 8 soon. Uh, and this is the same principle with the SUVs. So let's talk, uh, John, a little bit about the X2. This is something a little different than you guys have ever done before. It's smallest, the smallest SUV or CUV that you have in your lineup, um, yet it seems to be one of the most dynamic. It is, absolutely. It's, it is the smallest, and it is very dynamic. Uh, the vehicle, we just started retailing it a few weeks ago, so we have uh, a little bit less than one month of sales so far, and it's already doing really well. It's been really well accepted, and it's a, it's a totally new vehicle for us, and it's exciting for a number of reasons. One is, it is a new product. It's a new segment. We never had an X2 before. This is the first time. And as you mentioned, the, the X products are the, the crossovers and the utility vehicles, and the way we separate those is with the odd numbers like X1, 3, 5, and then the upcoming X7. These are the, the sport utility vehicles, the more traditional uh, types of, of crossovers. And then the even numbers being the sport activity coupes, so the more dynamic, uh, more extroverted, sportier concepts, so X2, 4, and 6. And what we did with the X2, which which is somewhat unique, is we 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 saw it as an opportunity to do things differently. Um, introduce a new design language, new design features, and so forth. Things that are, are not just different from anything else you'll see on the road from any other automaker, but also within BMW, that it really stands apart from the rest of the crowd. So, you know, a couple of uh, uh, what might seem like minor design attributes that really make it stand apart are the inverted kidney grills at the front end, which we've never had before. It gives it a very strong presence on the road. And then when you look at the C-pillar, we have a, a roundel on the C-pillar, which is pretty cool. And it's actually been getting um, very positive press, uh, both from, from the media as well as uh, individual consumers. And this is the first time we've seen a roundel on the C-pillar since the 70s with the, the CS and, of course, the, the legendary 3.0 CSL. So a really exciting new product for us that's, that's doing quite well so far. Now, here's the obvious question. I know you've been asked this a million times before, but the, uh, the X1 is actually bigger than the X2. <laughs> yes, it is. 
It is. So, you know, similar to X3 to X4 and X5 to X6, the, the sport activity coupes have that coupe-like silhouette, which of course changes the dimensions quite a bit and does make the vehicle a little bit smaller. And in the case of the X2, what's, what's pretty cool about it is it's smaller in dimensions in terms of height. It's about 2.8 inches uh, lower in roof height and about three inches shorter overall length, which most of that comes out of the rear. And even though it is very different, it's, it's actually uh, uh, very different overall on the exterior, including the A-pillar. The A-pillar is even at a different angle compared to the X1. And the exterior is almost entirely unique. It only shares two exterior components, the door handles and the antenna with the X1. So it's very unique. But as you mentioned, it is a little bit smaller. And the main reason for that is it's to fit the, the sporty nature of the vehicle and have those design attributes that we were looking for. And despite being a little bit smaller, it's actually an interior volume. It's actually really close. <clears throat> so you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm, I'm six foot three. And I can fit in the front seat and the rear seat with no trouble at all, including headroom with the panoramic moonroof, which, of course, reduces it a little bit. So there's still plenty of interior space. And even the luggage compartment, uh, with that roof line and with the truncated rear, you'd expect it to be a lot smaller. But it's really not. It's, it's only about 15% smaller. So, uh, in fact, I actually went on a, on a trip with my family, with my wife and my two kids, and had no trouble at all with them in the back and all of their gear in the trunk. So it really is quite spacious, despite being a little bit smaller. And wait a second. So uh, X2 sort of small and sexy, or the twos, the even numbers, small and sexy, and the ones are more practical. So is that the good separation? The sexier you are, the more even numbers you have, and the odd numbers are uh, are a little more sort of practical. The more family. Uh, you have. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. All right. Yep. Uh, I want, also want to talk about uh, the other vehicles you have in that X lineup. Just touch on them, and we want to ask you a little bit more about the uh, the X2 because although it's small, it's very sporty. We're on the phone with uh, John Kelly. He's from BMW. We're talking about X vehicles and how sexy they are. We're going to have more of those coming up. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back. John Kelly still on the phone with us from BMW talking about the new X vehicles and lineups. John, uh, let's talk a little bit about the X2's availability, pricing, and fuel economy. Does it look good against the competition? It does. So so the X2, it's actually available now. Uh, we're offering it right now with um, two drivetrain types. It's, it's one engine. It's our uh, B46, the two-liter turbo engine, makes 228 horsepower, 258 foot-pounds of torque, and it's always mated to an eight-speed automatic transmission. But we offer it right now with X-Drive all-wheel drive. And then as of this month, we're adding the S-Drive two-wheel drive variant to the mix as well. Um, so those are the X-Drive vehicles are at dealers now. The S-Drives will be there soon. And the X-Drive the S Drive is starting at 36400 and the X-Drive at 38400 And um, yeah, it's, it's already at dealers and, and doing quite well. Strangely enough... $38,400 happens to be the same price as the Jaguar E-Pace. Was that a coincidence, an accident? 
<laughs> it, it was a coincidence. We, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't assumed that way. Uh, all right. Let's talk about uh, one of the things I know that a lot, a lot of people are excited about. You probably can't tell us very much about it, but looks like BMW are almost ready to roll out a new full-size SUV, the X7. Is this going to be just an addition to the family, or is it going to be something different and unique? Uh, the concept that we've seen around the auto show circuits is completely different. Um, the real car, I can't imagine will have such big wheels and such uh, strange seating configuration because uh, if, if anyone has seen it the uh, the seats in, in one of the concepts was just a pillar into the floor a single pillar rather than a track system where a normal car seat would sit so what's the word on the X7 when are we going to get it what are we waiting for and what can you tell us or perhaps you just can't say anything yeah I, I wish I could give you great detail on it but unfortunately I can't share much other than that it is coming and uh, we do have high hopes for it and we have you know high expectations and it is going to be um, a you know a large uh, SAV similar to what you've seen in the concept and uh, yeah we, we expect great things from it. All right, I mean that that's at least something a little tidbit there <laughs> for us. Uh, let's talk about the other cars in the lineup on the X the X team. So we the, we have the X1, which is sort of the original small uh, sports utility vehicle or uh, the original SUV, and then you have a um, the three, four, five and six, all in X's, and they really just uh, obviously progress in size for each one. But the five was kind of the original, wasn't it? It was. It was. It, it really defined the segment back in 99 when it first launched. Um, and and it's, it's one, of the, one of the great attributes of, of the BMW SAV or X vehicle family is they're, they're, um, they're based on traditional platforms. They're not like, especially when the X5 first came out back in 99, uh, this was when many other crossovers and SUVs were were based on more truck-like platforms, you know, body-on-frame construction and all. And BMW really pioneered this really dynamic uh, crossover SUV or SAV-type vehicle with more, um, you know, um, uh, road manners more similar to uh, a traditional passenger vehicle with the lighter weight and so forth and better fuel economy that comes associated with it. What's BMW's secret to their success? Because your X vehicles seem to have been huge hits, uh, definitely segment leaders for a long time. John Kelly is the ultimate spokesman for the X vehicle lineup. John, thank you for joining us today. Still to come on the show, we have Toyota Yaris, one of the uh, cars that was at New York. We probably didn't get to talk about it much during the New York show, but it's coming. Daryl Harrison from ChargePoint joining us, and then the crazy Anton Woolman. And we'll have that and much more coming up. Homo News 1000 FM 97.7. Our auto expert with Nick Miles will be right back. Our auto expert continues on Como News. Here's Nick Miles. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, in the studio with me is Jen and Ryan. Uh, still talking about cool cars. Uh, you may have missed a bunch of stuff that was on the floor of the recent auto shows around the country. Uh, we wanted to recap some of them and talk about vehicles uh, that were new and also vehicles that were not necessarily new, but we saw on the floor of auto shows. Uh, and one of those was the Toyota Yaris. There are two different versions of it. Joining us uh, on the phone is Mark Shoya. Um, Mark, this let's ask a, a couple questions about this. First of all, is this the smallest, the Yaris, is it the smallest Toyota that, that the company makes? Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, and to answer your question, yes, it is the smallest sedan in the Toyota lineup. So 
um, let me ask you this question about it because I think this is kind of uh, interesting. Is it the least expensive car in the segment or the most expensive car in the segment? Because a lot of people buy into this sort of subcompact sedan and hatch segment because it's inexpensive. And a lot of people don't think about, you know, they think about what is the cheapest car I could buy, but they don't think about where the car's going to be around in 10 years' time or, sh- or so. Uh, so where does it sort of fall against the competition? Um, the Yaris IA is priced uh, in the middle of the segment. Uh, we offer it both in an automatic version uh, that's around 17000 and then a manual transmission uh, that's about fifteen nine. Um, but in addition to that price, it offers exceptional value. We offer a lot of standard features, a lot of safety, comes with Toyota Care, two years of free maintenance. So it's not only just the price, it's the entire value package that comes with it. See, that's what I say every time someone's going to buy a car. I keep explaining to everybody, it's not just about the transaction price, but the cost of ownership, which is probably, to me, one of the most important things. And you also want a little car you can go outside and start every time. And sometimes, you know, you don't get that if you buy something that's 10 or 15 years old. But and two years of maintenance. Yes. I mean, I like that idea. That's awesome. Uh, that's, that really is awesome. Uh, let's, so let's talk about uh, the IA a little bit. So the IA, uh, do they both have the same engine or do they have separate engines? Uh, it is the same engine. It's a 1.5 liter four-cylinder engine, uh, 105 horsepower. Uh, and again, offered in both an automatic, six-speed automatic or a six-speed manual transmission. And I like the idea of the manual transmission because uh, some people like to drive manuals. Hello, I'm looking at myself right now. Uh, like to drive manuals. Although, uh, you know, if you drive it in traffic, that's the thing that gets me out of a manual. Mm-mm, it's driving a leg traffic. workout. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, <laughs> one, of, one of the other things, too, is I'm, I'm betting the miles per gallon are pretty good. If you have to do a, a long commute, you're probably getting a good MPG out of this. Yeah, the RSIA actually has one of the highest uh, fuel economies in the segment. An automatic gets 40 on the highway. The manual gets 39. Uh, combined numbers are in the mid-30s. So another contributing factor to that great value proposition when you're going to think about a Yaris. Yeah, uh, the other thing I do like about it, too, is uh, Toyota pretty well known for their safety systems inside these vehicles. Uh, presumably that the IA is going to be a safe vehicle as well. Uh, very much so. In 2018, uh, the, the RSIA got the NHTSA five-star crash rating in addition to our comprehensive uh, active safety package. It also has a, a pre-crash system, uh, which is standard, um, which is uh, pretty unusual. For, and it's usually a feature that you see in uh, more pricey segments. Um, so, again, safety is another part of that value story that uh, we like to talk about in the Yaris. What's your, what's your favorite feature about the car? Ooh, uh, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I don't know where to start, if it's the outside, if it's the exterior, or the interior, but, but probably what I like the most is the 7-inch display screen. Uh, it's right in front of the, the top of the instrument panel. Uh, puts all your information that you need in a real easy to see. Gives it a real um, high tech, futuristic feel. Um, again, something that you don't usually see in this segment. A lot of car companies in their midsize SUVs or their their compact SUVs are still only offering five inch screens. So the fact that you're getting a seven inch screen is is that's probably pretty unusual, isn't it, in a car this size? When we come back, we're going to continue talking about it. And uh, Mark, hopefully, you'll have some some good answers for my tough questions. On it. not really, I don't ask tough <laughs> questions, but but hopefully, you'll have some good answers for my questions when we get back. 
Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. Still on the phone with Mark talking about uh, the new Yaris, which was on the floor at the New York International Auto Show. Uh, so there's a sedan version of this as well, Mark, correct? This, so why is there two versions of this car? Wouldn't everybody just be happy with one? That's a good question. The sedan is really our core vehicle uh, within our Yaris lineup. It's the, the body style that uh, most of our customers choose. Um, in this segment, people are really looking for the practicality uh, that the sedan offers. Um, so for 2019, uh, we're bringing in or doing a mid-cycle refresh of the Yaris. So this, this particular one, what is different apart from the, 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 I would say, from the C-pillar back or from the B-pillar back? What's different about the car from, from the, uh, the, the other version, the IA version? For 2019 model year, um, one of the things that's really fundamental to Toyota is that we go out and talk to our customers, take their feedback. A lot of uh, Yaris customers um, live in the city. They do a lot of commuting. Uh, so we talked to them about what they wanted, uh, what their vehicle, uh, what else they'd like to have in the vehicle. Uh, we, and we heard a couple things. One, they wanted distinctive exterior. Uh, so that's one of the areas that we change. Uh, there's a brand new front fascia, has a sporty new uh, honeycomb mesh grill design. We gave it some headlight update. There's LED headlights, give it that really cool, bright white appearance at night. And then on the inside, we made it more premium. We also added uh, leatherette as an option. And then one of the, the, the big changes, too, is we went from one trim level to three trim levels. So for 2019 model year, we're going to have an XLE uh, grade that's going to be more premium than what we offer today. Some of the cool things that are in that that you don't usually see, again, is the leatherette seating, has automatic climate control, has rain-sensing wipers, has a smart key. So a little bit more premium than the 2018 RSIA. All right. So one of the things we mentioned in the last segment, Mark, was we talked about uh, Toyota Care. So what does that give you? What is Toyota Care? Give me the give me the elevator pitch. Oh, Toyota Care is a great way to address people's concerns about taking care of all of their scheduled maintenance. So for the first two years or 25,000 miles uh, of your vehicle, uh, you can take it to a Toyota dealer and get all of your scheduled maintenance taken care of for free. So again, this is another contributing factor to that great value story that the Yaris sedan offers. And you're probably uh, shelling out huge amounts of money for that if you're paying for it uh, yourself. Um, I'm thinking an oil change now is around $30. And then all of the other things that you need doing, uh, each service as you step it up is probably 60 to 100 plus dollars. So there's probably a, several hundred dollars worth of savings in that Toyota Care, right? At least. And not only it's, it's the value, um, the dollars, but it's also the peace of mind. Um, you're going to be taking it back to your Toyota dealer, uh, getting those genuine Toyota parts and fluids. So it's it's a great deal for um, the Yaris customer. I think uh, that, these customers. I'm, I was just starting to think about this. I think there's something weird about genuine Toyota fluids. It's, <laughs> it's you know I never think about it. the fact is that you could have low grade fluids in your vehicle, and the, the fact is that you may be wanting what the manufacturer recommended to be put in your vehicle. Uh, thanks for joining us today on uh, our Auto Expert, and we'll look for uh, you know some fun with that. Hopefully, when it comes out, I'm, I'd like to test drive it because definitely putting your teen in a very safe car or a family member or having that second or third car 
is always, uh, you're always looking for something for a great commuter. And I, I like the idea of that. Uh, when we come back, we still have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, including uh, who is supplying the electricity for your electric car and where do you get it? Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. All right, I feel like I learned a lot in the last segment uh, from our friends at uh, Toyota about the new Yaris. Uh, still to come on the show, Dow Harrison, ChargePoint, and also Anton Wallman is going to be here. I want to tell you guys how you can take Our Auto Expert with you when you get out of the car, uh, on your cell phone, uh, in your home. It can be with you 24-7 by going to OurAutoExpert.com and you can listen to all our previous shows there. And at the same time, you can follow us on social media, which is amazing because Jen does a great job at that. Uh, our, you can follow the hashtag OurAutoExpert. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we tend to post uh, videos, pictures, and information of cars just as they're released. So, uh, you know, check it right now because there might be a car up there that you have not heard about before. That's the beauty of following us 24-7. We like to be a friend of yours on social media. So uh, click on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and follow the hashtag OurAutoExpert. Or if that isn't cool enough, listen to the previous show at OurAutoExpert.com. Uh, every single show that we've ever done is right online there and you can lay back and enjoy them 24-7. We'll be right back. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. All right, welcome back to Hour 2 of the show. This is our auto expert, as you are well aware, making Sunday's official car days. Uh, what do you think about tolls and taxes uh, when you drive? For me, I think crossing a bridge or driving a road or parking should be encompassed in your taxes, not an extra fee, an extra charge. I agree. Elon Musk doesn't agree. No. Uh, I am one of those people that doesn't like to pay taxes. Imagine that. I mean, I have to, but I don't like to do it. Join the club. <laughs> Who likes to pay taxes, everybody? Hands up. Call oh. in right now if you uh, enjoy paying your taxes. Uh, it, so that's the deal for me is I don't like to pay it. I think that uh, when they build a bridge, you should calculate all that stuff into the taxes that you pay every year and not have to pay extra taxes, not tolls. I think tolls are... Uh, terrible and what happens with tolls is when you agree to tolls they and they say well, we're going to do this for five years to pay for this new bridge wherever it might be then it never goes away after five years it stays and then then it becomes you know just a money maker for governments i think there should be a law that says you can't charge for something once you paid for it oh we got maintenance and did well put that in the taxes i'd rather pay a tax and everybody pays it what does Detroit say about all this? I they like don't, their thought process. They don't do it. Yeah, they just no do tolls. nothing with their roads. You want to drive a road in Detroit? It's like the potholes are as big as your car. <laughs> it's like a safari no matter what you're driving. Right. It's It no, doesn't. I could, I could see like a turnpike situation where, you know, you've got cars from all over the United States going back and forth. But this 
issue that we're going to talk oh, about. Oh, you're talking about toll roads like in Long But you see, the trouble is. The turnpikes, yeah. Yeah, but. It's back east. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. You see, what happens is the main roads, there are no roads you can take which are not toll roads. So I'll give you an example. I drive from Chicago to Indianapolis and Milwaukee all the time. I drive that route multiple times every year. Why should I be paying for a road that's already been paid for? And there is like literally five tolls between leaving Chicago and Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. And then if you get lost, you have to turn around and pay again. Right. (laughs) That's not even talking about the solid East Coast, just Virginia, D.C., Mm -hmm. and every toll road. It's coming here, though. Florida. Seattle. Seattle, get ready. More tolls coming. I think uh, people have been proposing more tolls. Don't like it myself. I think it's a horrible idea about paying tolls. I don't like to pay for parking either. I understand if it's a privately owned parking structure, but why are the government charging me to to park on a city street that I'm already paying taxes on? I'm angry. I'm old, and I'm (laughs) waving my fist right now. Don't like any of it. Okay, so do you want to talk about why you're all upset about Yeah, tolls? go on, tell Okay, me. so uh, p- supposedly Mayor Jenny Durkin. Durkin. Durkin, Durkin. <laughs> <laughs> why don't we just go with okay. supposedly Seattle Mayor? Yes, okay, let's just start over. Reset. Cut. <laughs> okay, supposedly downtown Seattle has about 400,000 vehicles entering the city every day on a daily basis. All right, I can believe that. Okay, so the mayor is trying to reduce carbon um, problems and expand the electrical char- charging stations okay. downtown. So that's why she's proposing tolls. Right. But she's currently working with the Department of Transportation, right. and nothing has been decided at this moment. I think that we should find other ways apart from tolls. Why are we taxing people for their choices? Well, it's hard enough trying to get downtown, let alone trying to get a toll and pay for your parking, and it's frustrating. Public transport infrastructure, yes. increasing the size or decreasing the size of vehicles. Um, and the electric is great, but you've got to be able to recharge and it can't end up costing you more money. I think the approach is completely wrong. I think it's got to make financial sense and it's got to be easy for your lives. I, I don't want to have to pay for something else in my life. I'm already paying for my subscription to windows and I'm already paying (laughs) for my subscription to my phone and I'm already paying for my insurance, all those things. Can we meet, just make it simpler. Especially if you work downtown. Right. I mean, you're, well, Como, Como, the building is downtown. Right. Uh, technically, sort of, yeah, it's downtown. Um, so we, I mean, we have to travel in all the time. That's that's the tough thing. Still to come on the show, we have a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Uh, and Daryl Harrison here from ChargePoint might be interesting to talk to him about uh, electric charging and whether we should be paying tolls for it. Anton Warman joining us to talk about the five hottest vehicles sales in last month's sales figures and uh, whether Tesla's slippery slope is can continue going down. Uh, shares dropping dramatically after that Model X crash in which the autopilot was found to be engaged. We'll talk about that more coming up on the show. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. You're listening to America's Automotive Radio Show, keeping you connected via TV, radio, and, of course, social media pages. Uh, Jen is with us in studio. We're talking to Daryl Harrison, who's joining us on the phone. Uh, Daryl is from ChargePoint. If you're not familiar, well, I, why am I telling you? Daryl, What? To explain to everybody what ChargePoint <laughs> is. So ChargePoint is one of the world's largest electric vehicle charging networks. Uh, we are one of the only companies in the category that actually develops charging solutions for uh, nearly every charging scenario. So for home, for work, um, around town, uh, retail, business, fleets, 
uh, as well as uh, fast charging when you're on a trip. I, I have a million, we, we, million and one questions about this because uh, I want to know about technology. One of the cool things that ChargePoint does, I got to experience this. Uh, Megan and I did a trip from Orange County all the way up to San Francisco in which we accidentally ran into Daryl on the trip, but that's a whole other story. Um, and part of the deal was ChargePoint worked with us when we drove the Kia Nero plug-in hybrid and we used ChargePoint charging stations to recharge our vehicles. But you have a really cool app, don't you, that you can use uh, that integrates, sort of knows where you are and when you're charging and records it and you can kind of do some controlling from the app as well when you plug your car in. That's right. Yeah, I mean, what are, what are the the benefits of, um, of of ChargePoint and, and the technologies that we develop is that uh, they're all networked. Everything is on a network, which enables us to develop an app so that drivers are able to do things like find station status, find station location, uh, start stations from the app or from Tap to Charge, which is a, a virtual ChargePoint card, if you will, uh, as well as uh, do things like monitor the amount of uh, money that they're spending on charging, the amount of energy that they've consumed with their electric car. Uh, and then if they have a charge point home, they actually are able to integrate that uh, through the app so that they can uh, take advantage of, uh, you know, the lowest rates that are available throughout the day uh, for those markets where there are uh, varying uh, electrical rates um, and a number of other things. So it's, it's really designed to put the power in the driver, the driver's hand so that they can uh, not only have the information, but be able to use it in different ways. One of the things I love about it is you can look at what you did, uh, which helped because I was part of it. It was a competition that we were doing when Megan and I drove from Orange County uh, all the way up there. And uh, it can show you when you charge, how long you charge for, how much charge you got. Um, it also helps you locate those charges so you can, I, I found charges on the, on the ChargePoint app. I clicked on it and it would direct me from where I was at, my current location, to the charger, which is probably the most useful thing for people when they're looking for a charge for their car, right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, one of, the, one of the, the, the kind of interesting things is that, you know, obviously operating an electric vehicle and fueling it is very different behavior uh, than, than fueling a gas car, right? It's, it's more akin to charging your cell phone than it is to putting gas in a gas car. Uh, but the other thing is that with electric vehicle charging, you have the benefit of, of being able to have the information that you just mentioned. Uh, I can use the app to be able to find out where a station is located, but not only that, I'm able to find out what its status is. So I'm able to say, uh, to see just from, from using my phone, if the, if the station is available or not, if it's online or not, uh, so that before I even make the trip to the station, I can actually have all that information ready to go. And in some cases, you can actually set up a notification because if it's busy, you can say, hey, notify me when that station opens up and, and the app will be able to do that as well. I love that. Where can you actually put charging stations now? Because I, I know it used to be that they would be like around the back of Target. Like they would be in these sort of like off the off the map type places like uh, right next to the dumpsters but now uh, i'm noticing them sort of appear at the front of stores with premium parking zones so uh, where, and can they go anywhere are they on this street where do electric chargers where can charge point put their chargers now sure so i mean the beauty of electric vehicle charging is that any parking spot is virtually a place to charge now um, you know you, you you know while while you can't put a gas station in your garage you can put a charging station there um, and so what that, what that means is that if you're, if you're a business and you're looking for an opportunity or you want to provide a benefit for your customers or amenity for your customers, uh, you're able to install charging pretty much anywhere there's a parking spot. Um, and, and that's really the beauty of electric vehicle charging. All right, Daryl, um, I love that idea. I want to talk a little bit about uh, 
what you can charge when we come back because uh, is Tesla exclusive to their own chargers or, or can you charge them with charge point? We're going to find out that. Also, I want to talk to you about uh, putting a charger in your house and plus, uh, who pays for that electricity? Those are questions pending when we come back on our Auto Experts. Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. On the phone with Daryl Harrison. He's from ChargePoint. We're talking about electric charging of vehicles. So, Daryl, Tesla uh, charging stations usually only charge Teslas. Is that the case with ChargePoint? Is it restricted to certain vehicles? Can you charge your Tesla, or is it only non-Tesla brands? <laughs> No, actually. So, so ChargePoint, you know, 100% of what we do is charging. Um, so as a result, the charging solutions that we develop are, are solutions that can be used by, by virtually any electric vehicle on the market. Um, you know, fun fact, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, in the previous segment, you know, one of the things that, that happens when people go electric is that their, their behavior or their expectation for fueling is different. Um, and so what, what we find is that the overwhelming majority of charging actually happens on a level two charger, whether it be at work or at home or around town while you're doing something else, uh, et cetera. And, and as a result, you know, we have uh, quite a bit of, of Tesla drivers that actually use our level two chargers, whether it be at work or some other location. And in fact, if I go a step further, um, you know, if, if you look at our network, we have hundreds of thousands of people that are registered in our network. And, and, and every electric vehicle that's available in the market in the U.S. today actually uses our, our, our network. So, so we develop solutions that, are, that, are, uh, that work with any electric vehicle in the market. All right, let's uh, talk about the models that you offer, because obviously you have commercial brands which go onto city streets, but you also can put them into your home as well. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, for, for you know, as I mentioned at the top of the uh, the previous segment, you know, we are a company that develops charging solutions for every charging scenario. And so, what that means, uh, if you're a driver, is that we develop a a home charging um, solution uh, called ChargePoint Home, and that is a solution that um, is really designed to be uh, sleek. It's designed to be um, not only visually uh, appealing, but it's but it's connected, which means that as a driver, you can do all of those things that we mentioned as as far as the app. You can see how much energy that you're dispensing. You can um, do things like schedule charging. Um, there's even Nest integration, so you can you can manage the amount of energy that's being used as well as Alexa integration. So if you get home, you you can't remember if you plugged your car in instead of going out of the garage. You can access Alexa whether or not your, your car is plugged in. Oh, that's with, trouble in my house, yeah. Daryl, because we're, yeah. <laughs> we're, the whole house is electrified. So uh, that See? means we're probably going to have to, well, we are. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm working with you because we're going to get a charger, but uh, we're probably going to have yeah. to uh, now get an electric car as well, which is my, gonna be my, <laughs> yes. my downfall probably. Uh, uh, <laughs> let, let me ask you one of the questions that bugs me immensely. So I had a, um, an Ionic. Uh, from Hyundai, yes. and I drove it yes. to the charging station at my local supermarket, and the yes. cord wouldn't fit. It wouldn't because their charge point point on the Ionic is in the C pillar, and it and the cord okay. wouldn't reach all the way out. So, uh, what's what's with the cord thing? You know, shouldn't they reach everywhere on a car instead of just being able to plug in the front? So I I don't know what charging station that was. Well, it wasn't sure it was yours. It wasn't uh, yours. So that's the good okay. part. Yeah, so 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 
the way that we develop our charging stations is that they are, are designed to be able to reach around a car because we know that every uh, electric vehicle has a different port, right? You know, like the Audi plug-in, as an example, has, and the Nissan Leaf both have charging ports that are in the front of the car. You know, the Chevy Volt, the Chevy Volt, uh, the Hyundai Ionic are all on the side of the car. So we develop a, a solution that actually allows, uh, similar to what you'd find in a gas pump, uh, allows for you to be able to pull uh, the cord out and be able to reach around the car no matter where the, where the port is. Awesome. Daryl Harrison from ChargePoint, thanks for joining us. When we come back, Anton Wallman on the phone with us talking about uh, sales in the last month and also whether uh, Tesla's getting his act together. That's coming up next on Our Auto Expert. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our Auto Expert will be right back. Como News. Time to set it on cruise control. This is our auto expert. Here's Nick Miles. Well, it's one of my favorite parts of the show. Anton Wallman joining us. He is an independent investor and analyst. Uh, Seeking Alpha is where you can read a lot of his analyzations uh, of different things in the car market. Anton, uh, we have had a chance a week or so after the results or a couple of weeks after the results of the March sales to analyze and look at Who's buying what in America? It looks like SUVs off the chart again. That is right, Nick. Basically, we have the trend that we have been seeing for at an absolute minimum about a half a decade continuing as strong as ever in the month of March for the U.S. market, where on average SUVs tended to uh, put their foot forward by about 12% year over year whereas uh, regular sedans had an equivalent decline of about 12%. So whether it be the Jeep Cherokee or a few other Jeep models, for that matter, or other best-selling SUVs by multiple manufacturers, the trend shows no signs of stopping at this point. The American population has voted, and they have voted in favor of SUVs. Now, let me ask you this question. Uh, The Wrangler was probably one of the hottest vehicles year over year, up over 70%. uh, And the March sales around 27,000, almost 28,000. Is that because the Wrangler's brand new and just hitting showrooms? Or is that because um, Americans really want the Wrangler? Um, And has it been constant or did it just jump up because the new models are here? In the case of the Wrangler, I think the dominant factor is that the all-new model hit showrooms in the first quarter of the year here, in uh, probably in about January. And uh, with the new model being so dramatically much better than the old one, there should be no surprise that sales are off the charts. You should also understand that the production of the old model continues for at least another couple of months. So it's supposed to finish here uh, sometime in the second quarter when that part of the factory will will be reconfigured to, to make the future Jeep Wrangler pickup truck, which has yet to be given an official name. But between those two factors, number one, the all-new Jeep Wrangler being much, much better than the old one, and the fact that they keep continuing to make the old one means that they have plenty full of supplies and can then discount the old one a little bit, further fueling sales. The Jeep Cherokee was in number two position, uh, looking like it's sort of hitting it out of the park as well. It sold around 23, 24,000, and that's up 62%. And there's another new model with the Cherokee. 
That's right. So the Cherokees saw a significant mid-cycle refresh overhaul that started hitting dealerships near the end of February, and it seems to have been a success. You may recall the old Cherokee here, the old quote-unquote, which is only a few years old, had this controversial front-end styling where some people said that it looked like some form of uh, animal, frog, insect, something with the uh, front lights. The new one looks a lot more conventional, looks a lot more like, say, the Grand Cherokee. And in combination with a variety of other updates on the new model, uh, the result is unmistakable that sales are yet again through the roof, even for the Cherokee. Cherokee uh, GM, General Motors, taking a two and three position. The uh, Buick Encore is uh, number three, so which is surprising. They sold about 15,000. Uh, of those, uh, but the increase in sales was uh, around 82% uh, year over year. And the Equinox uh, selling around 30, 31,000 there, and they're up around 40%. So both of those vehicles are pretty hot as well. Uh, GM seem to be making a good hit back with all of their SUVs and CUVs. They sure are, and it's not just those two models. Keep in mind that the Encore hasn't really seen a lot of change in over a year now, so that just speaks to the strength of that segment overall that people are getting out of smaller and the midsize sedans and hatchbacks and so forth and really going for the taller vehicles. All right, right, let's. Uh, we're going to turn our, our frame of mind towards Tesla when we come back. We're going to talk about uh, the Model 3. Big news for the sales numbers, uh, but also uh, Tesla's stock taking a tumble and uh, maybe everything isn't as good as it should be in the empire of Elon Musk. We're going to talk about Tesla's that he is going to hate when we come back. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Charge your engines, and they're off. Back to our auto expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. Welcome back to the show. Still with us, Anton Wallman, independent investor and analyst. We're talking about uh, all things tech and electric and sales reports coming in. So there's two big pieces of Tesla news, maybe even three big pieces of Tesla news uh, this week. Uh, one is that uh, they their shares took a big tumble uh, about a week ago plus after the Model X uh, information came out that the, the pilot, the autopilot, was engaged during the accident. Uh, is this going to hurt sales for Tesla? Well, it's inconclusive at this point. There is an pending investigation, and... Uh, I think that all parties who suspect either side of the equation to come out of it should probably just be a bit patient and wait to see what comes out of it, because uh, I think pre this is the type of situation where premature speculation is uh, probably not all that fruitful. So I think uh, whether you think it's going to lead to something really bad or whether you think it's uh, a nothing burger, as they say, I think it's just wise to uh, let the investigation take its toll and uh, We'll come back in a matter of weeks or months and maybe analyze the conclusion of this. Uh, Tesla sales, um, not as good as they'd promised, but much better than they have been. Well, so it's interesting. The sales for the first quarter was were identical to the fourth quarter. They delivered just a hair under 30,000 cars, which was barely not even a rounding error of what they, what they had done in December. So it was really the mix that changed. So the Model S and the Model X were both down about 23% collectively, whereas the Model 3 made up for the entire difference. 
Also, sales in Europe was down a lot, whereas sales in the United States was up a lot. And of course, that is all explained by that mixed shift in product away from the Model S and the Model X to the Model 3. The Model 3 now delivered 8,200 cars in the month, in the quarter uh, uh, that ended in March, up from about 1,500 in December. So the ramp here, the sales ramp, kind of continues, although not nearly as fast as uh, Elon Musk and his company had promised just a couple of months ago. All right. The uh, the other big piece of news is that uh, now Tesla is the best-selling, on the Model 3 is now the best-selling electric car. That's right. So the Model 3 was, of course, supposed to be the best-selling electric car by a wide margin already last fall. And it's now taken them a few months later, three to six months later, to achieve that goal. But yes, indeed, they are finally here. And we should expect that the gap between the Model 3 and any other model sold in the U.S. market should continue to widen for the rest of this year. So there's no doubt about the fact that the Model 3, barring some sort of recall or quality issue or other scandal or whatever that may occur down the road that we have no idea about and certainly shouldn't assume at this point, Barring anything like that, the Model 3 will be by far the best-selling electric car in the market this year. And I anticipate that Tesla will sell at least 100,000 units for this calendar year, most of them in the United States, but some in uh, in Canada as well, and maybe toward the very, very end of the year. Anton, it's always, uh, it's always a great pleasure to talk to you. Uh, where can we read more about uh, Anton Wallman's world? Well, the majority of what I publish is published on SeekingAlpha.com. All right, Seeking Alpha is where you can find out more about uh, Anton's work, and we will enjoy having him on next week's show again. Until uh, the that time, Anton, thank you very much. Still to come on the show, we'll sum up what we've learned, and uh, we'll project what we're going to be talking about in the future because we have some cool interviews set up. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back to our auto expert. So uh, we learned all about the BMW X2 and the new Toyota Yaris, which was on the floor at the uh, New York International Auto Show. Uh, if you want a charger in your home, Daryl Harrison informed us on that. And uh, the top selling electric vehicles and the top selling vehicles, period, in the month of March got uh, analyzed by our whole team. You can listen to this show at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, we have podcasts of all of our shows. You can download them and take them on the go. Listen to them on your cell phone, on the plane, or your smartphone. Uh, you can also listen to them at home while working in the garage on a Sunday morning on your jalopy. Uh, that's the beauty of us putting all of this down onto media, which will last forever. Of course, you can follow all the breaking news on automotive anytime that you want to by hitting our social media channels. Ourautoexpert.com is the website. And of course, you can go to any of our social media platforms, whether that be Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Plus, of course, we do all the reviews for television, radio, and online. So that gives you the full gamut. Stay connected. Stay informed. This is Como News.